Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to come into your house and to speak your word to your people, to your church. We thank you for the opportunity and privilege, and we pray, God, for your anointing, that it would fall upon us, that your heart would speak through our lips. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, he was all bottled up. In Mark chapter 7 and verse 31, and again departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. You know, Jesus was always led by the Holy Spirit and was directed to people and places of great need. He didn't go haphazardly to places. He went to places that his father had planned out for him to go to. His ears were always open to his father's voice, and he saw clearly the path he was to take to relieve others of their sin, their sickness, and their disease. As followers of Christ, we must imitate Christ and be open to the cry of the human heart. In verse 32 of Mark 7, it says this, And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. I want you to think about this for a moment. The Bible says they. Obviously, it was people that knew this man. Obviously, it was probably friends or family that brought him to Jesus And you have to ask yourself this question, who brought this man to Jesus? And I would like to define that as this, friendship brought him to Jesus. Love and care and concern, values that seem to be absent from society today, brought this man to Jesus. Why did they bring him to Jesus? That's a very good question. These friends knew where help was available, and they believed that Jesus would heal their friend. You know, when you take a step of faith, things begin to happen. Praise God, providence and destiny sort of just move into play for the person who's walking by faith. Sometimes we seem like we're walking and we're not going in the direction that we think we're supposed to be going. But the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. Praise God. Sometimes you have to use up all the light that you have and take that step of faith, one step of faith into darkness and see what God will do for you. This man that they brought to Jesus, praise God, they were praying and believing that Jesus would be available to heal him, praise God, and touch him in a way that he was never touched before. This man couldn't express himself. And as a result, no one could understand him. He couldn't explain how he felt as he had no emotional or spiritual release. He could not hear the words of others. And being deaf, he never heard anyone tell him that he was loved. Can you imagine living in that sort of a world where you can't hear and you can't speak and you can't have interaction with communication with other people to have a conversation with them? Oh, I'm sure that he learned to read lips and so on and so forth. But that's difficult in itself because not everyone looks at you face to face. I'm sure he dealt with many emotions, 
being deaf and not being able to speak, beyond his physical abilities of not being able to speak or hear, praise God, he most likely dealt with resentment. Oh, he was probably saying to himself in his mind, these people hear, but I can't. He probably had to deal with bouts of bitterness and jealousy and envy and anger. Unless we've lived in that world of people who can't hear or can't speak, we really don't know how they feel. We don't know their emotional state. We can only guess because we have never been in their shoes walking. Some people can't help themselves, and it's our responsibility to get them help, the help that they need. So many people are struggling and are at a point of exhaustion, ready to give up. I notice on social media that so many people are crying out for help and for hope. I see some that are saying, I, I don't know how much more I can take in the pressures of my family and pressures of society and so on and so forth. And you reach out to them and you pray for them and let them know that you are in their thoughts and you are, have prayers for them and that you are available to speak to them and to help them praise God if they so desire. These people have to be brought to Jesus as the Bible does speak to us and say we are our brother's keeper. Men need men and women need women to help them get out of the pit that they sometimes find themselves in. We must accept help from those that love us and want us to be healed. Sometimes it's hard for individuals to receive help. Sometimes it's hard because we think it's a weakness when actually it's a strength to accept the help of other people. You know, we're all going to be down at times. We're all going to be discouraged. We're all going to go through dark moments of life. And it's in those moments that we need family and friends and loved ones to pick us up and hold us up. Don't you remember Moses in the Old Testament needed one man on one side and one on the other to hold up his arms because his arms were tired and weary? And sometimes people are tired and they're weary in their mind, in their soul, in their body. And we must be available. The day will come that you might need a similar help. And as we give help to others, God will send help to us in our time of need. We must accept friendship from others who care for our soul and for our life. That's a big statement that we must accept friendship. I believe people are looking for friends. I believe people are afraid to reveal themselves to others, thinking that if I reveal myself to other people, they might not like me. People deal with rejection from their childhood, from their past, from different relationships, and so on and so forth. And they're so afraid of friendship. They're so afraid of looking into the face of another human being and sharing their heart and their emotions and their cares and their worries. We must do this. When we're weak, he is strong. We must find people who believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Praise God. We must find someone who cares and who loves us. Someone who has compassion. Someone who is willing to go the extra mile. Someone that will hear the cry of the human heart. Someone that is not inconvenienced if you call them for the time of help and the time of need. It's important to find out what the real issue is within the heart of a man or a woman. And the only way that can be done is face to face, talking with another human being and sharing in that sacred relationship, in that sacred friendship where two people 
confide in one another and express their feelings and their emotions and what's bothering them? What was the goal of these friends that brought this man to Jesus? What was their goal? Why did they even desire to bring him to Jesus? Because they knew Jesus could heal. They heard about Jesus. They knew his miracles. They knew what he was doing. They knew he was a God of love. He had compassion. Jesus never healed anyone without compassion. Compassion and healing are twins. They go together. Praise God. So their desire was to beg of Jesus to put his hand upon their friend. You have to ask yourself a question. Why the hand? Putting your hand on someone in the right way tells them that you care and that you're concerned for their life. That's a very important statement. Putting your hand on someone in the right way dictates a message to them and tells them that you care and that you are concerned and have compassion for their life. The hand and the tongue are related as words that will follow touch. The Bible says this in uh, Proverbs 18 and 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Do you know what the word death in Hebrews means? It means a closed fist. And do you know what the word power in Hebrew means? It means an open hand of fellowship and friendship. That's why when we shake hands, we don't shake hands with a fist. We shake hands with an open hand. And when you shake someone's hand with an open friend, open fist, you're saying to that person, I recognize you as a friend. I don't recognize you as a foe or an enemy. And I allow you to come into my space. I allow you to come into relationship with me and communicate with me because I trust you. It's the fist that fights. It's the fist that doesn't trust. It's the fist that puts up resistance to those that don't care or have concern for our soul. In verse number 33, Jesus did four things. He took him aside from the multitude. He took this man aside from the multitude and he put his fingers into his ears and he spit and touched his tongue. I want to talk to you about these four things that Jesus did. What did Jesus do? The first thing he did was he took this man aside privately. Now, why did he do that? You know, one of the worst things that you can do to a man is to disrespect him in front of other people, especially other men. That's why. That's true. The Bible has not made a mistake when they said that Jesus took this man to the side privately with no shame. No embarrassment, no theater, no drama. You see, this man had issues. He had physical disabilities. And Jesus wasn't someone that was going to embarrass him. It wasn't someone that was going to make a theater out of his situation. It wasn't someone that was looking for the cameras to come in and view this and, and put this on uh, television or the news or, or to sell it somewhere on some site. No, he cared. And he understood the emotion of this man. He understand what this man was feeling. Jesus had sensitivity toward other people. No embarrassment, no theater, no drama, no shame. And then what did he do? He put his fingers in his ears. You know, my friend, we must allow Jesus to put his fingers into our ears that we might hear his voice. You know, in the Old Testament, I believe in the book of Zedekiah, the prophet, the people put their fingers in their ears because they did not want to hear what the prophet had to say from God. 
And you know, it's the same today. You try to bring truth to people and they want to stop their ears. Oh, they might say this to you. Oh, I'm happy that you found your happiness, but I'm not interested. You should be interested because eternity is in play. You know, if you live to 100 years old, that's a wonderful thing. But what happens when you close your eyes for the last time? We must allow God to put his fingers into our ears. And we need to do the same thing as a nation in America today. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to hear what thus saith the Lord. We need to hear, praise God from heaven, what God is trying to speak to us. We quote that verse in 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, God says, I will heal their land and forgive their sins. But who's listening to that voice that's speaking? We see that verse quoted all over social media. We hear people talking about it. But who's responding to it? We need to allow God to put his fingers in our ears, to unplug our ears spiritually so that we can hear the voice of God and hear the voice of the master and what he's saying to us. We must allow Jesus to put his fingers in our ears that we might hear his voice calling us rather than the distractions of life. So many are distracted. They follow this voice and they follow this voice and they follow this whim and they follow that whim. And we say we're Christians, but we really are Christians when we do the will of God and obey his voice. Praise God. And then what did Jesus do? Jesus spit. Now, this is a very interesting phenomenon here. And touched this man's tongue. Praise God. And we too must allow Jesus to touch our tongue that we might be able to share his love and the gospel message. Now, let me speak to you for a few moments about spit. You know, I don't think the CDC would welcome Jesus today if he came and he spit and he put his finger on a man's tongue to heal him. Oh, they might recognize the healing, maybe, but they would say, oh, that's just unheard of. That's unhygienic, and so on and so forth. You know, people in those days believed this. They believed that spit had healing properties, especially through a firstborn child. Listen to this. Obviously, The spit of a firstborn child could not heal blind eyes. We know that. You never have read that spit has healed the eyes of another human being. But Jesus came as a firstborn. You see, Jesus came as the only begotten son and used his spit, praise God, to heal the man and showed the difference between man and God, between the natural and the supernatural. You know, Jesus kind of piggybacked on what those people believed. They believed that spit had the healing properties to heal. Praise God. And Jesus knew that they would respond to that because, you know, he wanted to show them how man is limited in what he can do. Man is limited. I believe in good doctors and good nurses and so on and so forth. But a good doctor and a good nurse will always tell you, that healing eventually comes from God. Praise the Lord. Now, what's God trying to say to us? Jesus is trying to say this to us today. He he touched this man, oh, praise God, with the spit on a finger and touched his tongue. And what he was saying was, man, you're limited. But through me, Jesus was saying, praise God, the supernatural can take place. 
So how does Jesus qualify as the firstborn? The Bible says in John 1 and 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In 1 John 4.9 it says this, And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that he might live through him. You know, Jesus knew that he would get the people's attention because of what they believed concerning the firstborn child having healing abilities in his saliva. Praise the Lord. You know, Jesus not only used spit in this instance in the book of Mark, praise God, but he also used it in Mark chapter 8 and verse 22 when he healed another blind man. You know, the Bible says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything shall be established. So people might say, well, you know, the, the first healing was a fluke or some sort. Okay, Jesus is saying this in Mark 8, 22. And he came to Bethesda, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Again, no embarrassment here. And when he had spit on his eyes. Now, did you hear what I just said from the word of God? <laughs> Jesus spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him. And asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Which means that at one time this man did see because he recognized trees. But he went blind somewhere in his life. But after this, Jesus put his hands again on upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. Huh. Can you imagine today? The news casters and Journalists and people coming to a healing revival with Jesus and Jesus healing blind people by spitting on his finger and touching their tongue and then spitting in their eyes. <laughs> God was saying, you know, it sounds foolish to you and the wisdom of man is foolish, but not the wisdom of God. God knows exactly what he's doing. I want to bring you to another verse. It's a creative miracle. It's sort of like a reenactment of God creating Adam out of dust, out of the dry earth. This is another miracle of a blind man. He says in John 9 and 5, he says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. That spit. He made a mud pie. Praise God. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Imagine, and he said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. You might ask, Pastor, what's going on here? Jesus healed the first two men. He touched the, his finger with the spit and touched the man's tongue. The second one, he spit into his eyes. And now he spits on the ground and he makes a mud pie and he puts it on his man's eyes. I want to bring you back to a verse in remembrance. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. 
Do you know what that word dust means in Hebrew? It means dry earth. You know what Jesus was doing here with this blind man? It was a miracle of creation. God created probably two eyeballs for this man instantaneously that this man could see. Imagine that. Now, people would say, well, you know, that's really hard to believe. It wasn't hard to believe for the man who received his sight. You know, in that verse, Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You know, we need light. Praise God. You know, when people walk in blindness, there's no light. There's darkness. But, you know, there's a greater blindness. It's the blindness to God's word. It's a blindness to God's spirit. When people are blinded, the blind lead the blind and they fall into the ditch. We must bring light to people. Jesus said that you are the light of the world, that you are the salt of the earth. What does that mean? We have to bring light to those that sit in darkness. And salt is a preserving, praise God, mineral. And we need to bring that salt to people to help preserve them, praise God, and give them light. Jesus is calling us, praise God, to loose the blindness of people in society, in our family, our friends that we dearly love. We need to bring them to Jesus and show them the light of God's word, praise God. And what happened after this? In the original uh, text that I'm talking to you about, about the man that received his healing when Jesus spit on his finger and touched his tongue, the Bible says in verse 34, and looking up to heaven, what did Jesus do? Look what he did. He sighed and said, Epaphtha, that is, be opened. What did Jesus do here? I want to take a moment to explain something that is very important to us as Christians. Jesus looked up to heaven because he knew where his help came from. The Bible says he did nothing without his father. He spent time in the mountains. He spent time in prayer. He spent time all night with his father, seeking him in fellowship and in prayer and fastings. And he was moved, praise God, and guided by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this verse, Jesus looked up to heaven and he sighed. What does it mean? He, he looked up to heaven. As Jesus looked up to heaven, we must look to heaven for direction and healing. We're looking to the world for answers as Christians. We're looking into how-to books and I'm okay and you're okay. And we're looking into psychology and different methods that the secular world uses that can only bring you so far. Praise God. It's Jesus that heals. It's Jesus that has the wisdom. It's Jesus that is the light of the world. It's Jesus that is the bread that's come down from heaven that wants to nourish your soul. It's Jesus that wants to come to us. And the only way is if we look toward him. What does the, the Bible say to us in Hebrews 12 too? Looking unto Jesus. Who? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. My friend, it's time to look up. The Bible says, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. But while we're on this journey and we're walking in this road called life, we're going to come to obstacles. We're going to come to places that are stumbling blocks. We're going to come to roadblocks in the road of life. 
And the only way that we're going to surpass these things is looking up. Jesus looked up to heaven. And what did he do? The Bible says he sighed. You know, our Heavenly Father, as a parent, desires to help us, just as an earthly father desires to help his children. Any earthly father that's worth anything will do anything to help a son or a daughter. Any earthly mother that's worth anything will do anything to help her child, her her daughter, or her son. Praise God. God does not want to withhold any good thing from us as his children, just as a parent doesn't desire to withhold any good thing for their children. We all desire to see our children get ahead. We all desire to work hard in our life to to make them a place in life where they can prosper and perhaps get educated and and get a a wonderful job and and raise a family in the same admonition that they were raised in the the house of God. It's, It's a parent's dream. It's a parent's vision and hope for their children. I love the verse that says in Psalm 84 and verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Praise God. And the Lord will give grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That's a verse. That's a promise. That's covenant keeping that God says, I don't desire to withhold any good thing from you. So many people have controversy with God. So many people have no longer a conversation with God because they're mad at God, because they don't think God gave them what they deserved. But we must go back to him, and we must look up to heaven, praise God. And sometimes we must sigh and express that sigh and emotion to God. What did Jesus do? He not only looked up to heaven, but the next thing he did in verse 34 in the book of Mark, praise God, he sighed, which was an expression of pity and sympathy for others. I don't think there's enough sighing in society today. We must weep for our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord like Jesus wept. We must ask God, hallelujah, to open our ears, hallelujah, that our ears would hear and to open our eyes, praise God, that our eyes would see and have pity and compassion and sympathy for others. You know, sometimes we pass by people. I'm reminded of the man who was crippled, who stood outside the gate of the temple, and Peter and John came by one day. But ask yourself this question. How many people went to that temple day in and day out and year after year and passed that man? How many people lacked sympathy? How many people lacked pity and concern for that man? How many people just pushed dust into his face with with their dusty shoes as they walked a dusty earth? Did they really care about that man? (laughs) Or maybe they put a little coin in his cup to relieve them of their guilt. But did anyone help him? Did anyone help him and speak to him and say, hey, I'm praying for you or I care for you? But two men of God came along one day. Oh, yes. They came to pray in the temple. They came to seek the face of God, to look up to heaven. But before they got there, they had to sigh when they saw this man sitting at the gate of the temple. And Peter and John looked upon him. 
They looked upon him the same way that Jesus looked upon them, who had pity and mercy for their soul and saved them and called them to become fishers of men. Oh, that man was expecting maybe as these men stopped to speak to him. I'm sure he was expecting a windfall. I'm sure he was saying, wow, two people that actually care about me, two people that actually will stand here and talk to me and have a conversation with me. And he was probably thinking, well, I'm going to get some money today. But he didn't. He was probably disappointed when he heard these words from Peter and John, that silver and gold have we none. He probably became dismayed in his soul and probably went into despair. But then he heard these words, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, give I unto you. Oh, what did they have? Oh, they had love. They had pity. They had sympathy. They had compassion. They had concern. Praise God. And what did they have? They had the power of God within. They had the virtue of Jesus Christ flowing through them. Praise God. Hallelujah. And they took that man, praise God, with the right hand of fellowship and brought him to his feet for the first time in his entire life. Praise God. Hallelujah. And held on to him that he received strength and he began to walk and he was healed by the power of God because two men stopped and they sighed and they saw the condition of this man. Oh, we need to do the same, my friend. We need to stop sometimes from what we're doing. We need to stop being distracted and hear the voice of God so that God could send us and take us to the place of great need. There are many places of great need. Oh, you don't have to go to a foreign country. It's in your own home. It's in your own family. It's among young people. It's a with an elderly parent or grandparent. Oh, yes, my friend. We need to start sighing like Jesus did. And we need to allow God to give us the pity and the sympathy for others, praise God, that we would befriend them, praise the Lord, and touch them, hallelujah. Jesus sighed, as I said, which was an expression of pity and sympathy for others. We must weep for our fellow brothers because we are our brother's keeper. My prayer is this, that we will befriend one another and bring each other to Jesus, that our healing as men and women will be evident to our families and to others. Now, when a great change takes place in your life and God heals you and takes away the deafness to his voice and takes away the blindness, praise God, to his life and to his light, we will be, praise God, examples to our families and to our friends, and they will stop us because they will see the change in our lives and they will say, what happened to you? And you would say, Jesus touched my tongue and he put his fingers into my ears that I might speak and that I might hear, that I might see, praise God, what he has for me in this life. Oh, my friend, we cannot allow Jesus Praise God to not be in our lives today. We cannot allow Jesus not to be in our nation today. We must call upon the Lord. And we who call ourselves Christians must look up to heaven. And we must sigh and look at the condition of America this morning, today, my friend. And ask God to have mercy and grace upon us.
We must ask the Lord for divine intervention. We must ask the Lord for divine illumination. We must ask the Lord, praise God, to come and touch us. Hallelujah. That we might see, that we might hear, and that we might speak, praise God, his words to other people to bring life and to light to their lives, praise God, like never before. What happened in verse number 35? And straightway his ears were opened. Hallelujah. And the string of his tongue was loosed, <clears throat> and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. How could a man not tell others? what Jesus had just done for him. How could a man not express to his family and to his friends, praise God, that I could speak and that I could hear, which I have never done before. Think about that for a moment. Think about this man's life that changed, praise God, instantaneously and spontaneously. Think of this man. You know, when I think about this man, I... I think about a clock, a battery-operated <clears throat> clock, and you put the batteries in, and you look for the, hear the tick, 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 and you're not hearing it, but you take that same clock, and you put it in your hands, and you do this. You move it once or twice, and you put the clock to your ears, and you hear it tick, tick, tick. That day, Praise God, that man's clock began to tick. That day when Jesus was led to him as an individual, as a man, hallelujah, who was, praise God, in need, a great need, that day that clock began to tick in that man's life. My friend, healing always takes place when there's a meeting between God and a sincere man or woman. Let me say that again. Healing takes place when there's a meeting between God and a sincere man or a woman. God desires so much to heal and restore our lives and our families. When we allow God to heal our ears and loose our tongue, we will have real and productive communication with our family and with our friends. It all begins with civil and spiritual conversation and communication between people. Many will prosper from such a spiritual dialogue as they see the great hand of God healing and bringing victory to our homes and our marriages and our churches and our nation. Let's give God the opportunity to get us to the sideline, off, praise God, away from distractions and speak to us that we might be touched and healed by his hand, that he might touch our tongue and loose it, that he might put his fingers in our ears, praise God, and cause that deafness that we have to his voice to disappear, that we might hear the voice of the master. As I come to a close, I have a question or two for you. Number one, the sermon title was he was all bottled up. I want to ask you this question. Are you bottled up? 
Are you bottled up this day? What bottles you up? What's down deep in the pit of your stomach that lays there that you're afraid to speak or communicate to another person? What has you bottled up? You know, my friend, eventually you will burst if you don't take the lid off. People stuff it. You've heard that conversation before. You've heard that word. People stuff their feelings. They have to come out somewhere. They have to exhibit somehow in our body, soul, or spirit. Why not speak it? Why not look to Jesus as the author and finisher of your faith? Why do we allow ourselves to suffer? Why do we allow ourselves to be self-defeated? Why do we allow ourselves to plunge into despair and depression? Why do people allow themselves to lose hope when there is hope? There's hope in Christ. There's hope in his healing. Do you want to be healed is a question. You know, I'm convinced that some people don't want to be healed because that's their story. That's what they tell people day in and day out. That's their communication to others. Let me tell you my woes. Let me tell you what I've been through for the last 40 or 50 years. And that's wonderful to express yourself and tell your story. But there's another story that Jesus wants you to tell. It's his story of what he's done in your life. It's his story of the miraculous working power of God, praise the Lord, to bring you to the cross to give you forgiveness of sin and to heal you in your body, soul, and spirit. The next question is, do you want a friend that would bring you to Jesus? You know, so many people put their hand up when you try to approach them and say, I would like to talk to you about my best friend. And they say, well, who's that? And I say, his name is Jesus. And they say, And they put their hand up and they stop you sometimes because they don't want to hear. There's an indifference in their conversation. They change the conversation. They they, they change the tempo of the communication because they really don't want to hear it. They're all bottled up. Listen, my friend, the only person that can loose you fully is Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says now where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And if there's not a liberty in your life to communicate and to speak, you're bottled up somewhere. And we all have those emotions. And we all get bottled up at times. But sometimes we need relief. And sometimes we need it quickly. Because we'll self-destruct if we don't. Let me leave you with two verses. Here's what Jesus said. He said in John 8 and 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You know, I believe it was Helen Keller that said one time, it's one thing to be blind physically, but it's another thing to be blind spiritually and not have a vision for your future. You know about Helen Keller. Listen to that. People are blind. They have sight, but they're blind to the vision that God wants to give them and the dream for their life. Jesus said that he was the light of the world, that we don't have to walk in that darkness any longer, but that he gave us the light of life. And John 10 and 10, the thief, the enemy of your soul, cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
And Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I want you to consider what's been said today as I close and I pray. I want you to consider what Jesus is speaking to you this morning. I want you to consider the master walking to you. I want you to consider that you're that man that Jesus went to, praise God, to heal. He's taking you off to the side and he wants to speak to you and show his love to you. And he wants to take his hand and put it upon you and heal you, praise God, and touch you like you've never been touched before. Praise God. Let us pray. Father, I come to you this day. I come to you, Lord, thanking you for the light that you have given my life. I thank you, Lord, for the blindness that you took away from me and the spiritual deafness, Lord, that you defeated in my life, that I might see you and hear your voice, that my tongue might be loose to speak the gospel to other people, that they might hear the good words of Jesus, that they might be touched and that they might be healed by the great power and virtue of Jesus. Father, I pray for those that will view, Lord, this video. And I ask God that you would heal them of blindness or deafness, that you would heal them, oh God, of physical blindness and physical deafness. But I also pray, God, that you would heal them from their spiritual blindness and their spiritual deafness. Father, touch them. Show them your compassion. Show them your concern because that's the kind of God you are. Father, you never did one miracle in the New Testament without compassion and concern. You cared. You cried at the tomb of Lazarus because, Lord, you are an emotional God. And that emotion comes through. Let it come through the Christian world. Let it come through the Christian's Lord, who proclaim your name, that we might have similar compassion and concern for others, that we might not just walk by them as that man who stood outside the gates of the temple, but let us be like Peter and John. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and be healed. And that's what I pray for you this morning, my friend, that you would rise up and be healed in the name of Jesus. God bless you. And thank you for viewing.